0: Welcome to Men Talk, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the world of miscarriage, infertility, infant loss, and stillbirth. Hosted by Daniel Landau, founder of MensHelpline.org, we'll be sitting down every week with real guys to discuss their stories, struggles, and triumphs. So grab a drink, sit tight, and let's talk.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Men Talk podcast, where men talk about miscarriage, infant loss, stillbirth, and infertility. Today's guest, I'm excited to have jeff rue who hails from wisconsin i hope it's not too cold over there right now and snowing but uh
0: jeff no not too bad not too bad uh (laughs) (laughs) but you never know today might be fine and the next day might be awful that's just how it is around here that's wisconsin weather
1: anyways feel free to introduce yourself share a little bit about your story your journey and
0: uh we'll go from there the floor is yours all right. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, as you mentioned earlier, my name is Jeff. Um, I've been married for almost 10 years now. My wife and I, we got married two weeks after we graduated from college. Um, and uh, she's been absolutely wonderful. We are the parents of two uh, crazy, chaotic boys. And uh, with a third on the way, um, we just told our two little boys that uh, they're that their baby sibling is going to be another boy. So, uh, lots of crazy boys running around the house. Um, we uh, have had two miscarriages, uh, one, uh, natural miscarriage and then an- another one, uh, last spring was an ectopic. Um, so that was really tough, but, um, uh, we have gone through these highs and lows together of, uh, you know, having successful pregnancies and then pregnancies that are taken away from us. Um, and uh we've had each other, we've had wonderful support from uh family and friends uh of course i i I'm a pastor, so uh, of course, our faith has been a, a tremendous help for us getting through these miscarriages but um um so that's that's kind of our journey in a nutshell um I don't know I'm really not all that fascinating of a person, so <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting you mentioned faith because I know a lot of
1: times faith doesn't actually come up in conversation because people don't necessarily like talk about their faith or how it affects things. Like, I you know, a lot of couples and guys don't like necessarily going to therapy. And one therapist I was just talking to actually said, you know, in her sessions that people don't talk about faith. So I'm I'm curious to to hear on your journey, how faith played a role. Like did being spiritual help you in thinking, you know, Hey, hopefully the next one will have, we'll have a child. Like how, how, how did, faith play out, being a pastor, were you rethinking your religion after the first miscarriage and on the atopic
0: pregnancy? Like, what was going through your mind? Well, I'll, I'll start off talking about the first one. So um, we were blessed with our oldest son uh, back in 2016. He just turned seven last month. Um, and uh, I had graduated from the seminary in uh, 2017 and i was assigned to be a pastor out in tacoma washington uh the way with our church body um, you don't get to select the first congregation that you go to um what they do is they they figure out uh, um you know based on your time in school you know the the professors kind of have an idea of what your strengths and weaknesses are and then they have a list of uh churches within our church body that need um you know, they need pastors and, and what, what sort of pastor they're looking for. And then they kind of match it up as best they can. So by, by the wisdom of God, we just ended up in Tacoma, Washington, uh, which is a brand new place for us. And, uh, it, it was only about a month into our stay in Tacoma that my wife, uh, told me that she was pregnant and I was just floored. I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, this is, this was not something that we were trying for. This was a complete surprise. Um, but the whole time it never felt real to me. And and I guess perhaps that might be a, a normal thing just going through, you know, the pregnancy is like, wait, what, you know, usually takes a little while for it to sink in. Um, But it was probably about, I would say a, about a month, month and a half later, uh, we went in, to for the first ultrasound and it was not what we were expecting. Um you could see that there was a, a fertilized egg in there, but uh beyond that it it just stopped. Um and it it then it hit us with the realization that, you know, there we had a baby and then very or very early on the baby was gone. Um we left that doctor's office just more perplexed and confused than anything else. Uh, Maybe a day or two later, my wife really started grieving. And, you know, there was just a lot of times where she just, you know, needed my shoulder to cry on, just needed to get some stuff off her chest and just wondering why, 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 why. Um, And I felt awful for her, but I also felt awful because, I don't know, it. it it just – it never felt real to me to begin with. And so I didn't feel all that bad. I, you know, like I felt like I should feel bad, but why am I having such a hard time feeling bad? You know, I'll be there for my wife, but why am I not grieving the way she is? And granted, I, I've never been much of a crier to begin with. My wife probably can count on one hand the times that she has seen me cry in our almost 10 years of marriage. Um, but I, still, I, I wasn't, I wasn't very shaken by the news and I was just kind of going about my normal life. And, and I, I don't know if it was just because I was still so overwhelmed with the fact that I was a brand new pastor in a brand new city, a brand new state, brand new part of the country, um, because I lived in the Midwest most of my life. And I don't know if it was just me being overwhelmed by all the newness of everything. And so it just didn't really hit me. Uh, but it did hit me a little over a year later um, that following, well, it was about a year and a couple months afterwards. So we had the, the miscarriage in the fall of 2017, and it wasn't until the Christmas of 2018, when my wife was pregnant with our second child, um, that it hit me just out of the blue. Uh, and and what really what really kicked that off was when we finally decided to um give our lost child a name we named this child uh, Jamie Ray and i kid you not the moment that we gave that child a name bam it hit me you know not with tears but like like i felt it inside me just like whoa we lost a child And it was, it it, it shook me to my core. And, um, and there were a few moments where I, where I teared up, but I I was not sobbing or anything, but man, I I felt just devastated. And and finally, after a year and two months, um, it was just that moment naming that child that all of a sudden, then it felt real. And I almost kind of wondered, maybe I should have done that a lot sooner. Um, because maybe I would have. Right. Yeah. Maybe I should have done that a lot sooner than maybe I would have been able to, to comfort my wife more. Uh, you know, maybe we could have more together. Um, because it, it, the, the tough thing was that we felt so emotionally disconnected that whole time because she was going through just, you know, grieving and just felt awful and, and sad and questioning why, 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 why? Um, but what, what did help? us get through that was, um, the, the pastor that I was working with, he had been at that congregation for about 30 years at that point. And, um, you know, he had told me that he and his wife had also gone through a miscarriage. And so just having that, you know, a a coworker who's been there, done that he and his wife were, were incredibly helpful and supportive. Um, what what was really tough was uh, the rest of our family was in the midwest every single one of them um most of them in wisconsin my sister was in college in minnesota but everyone was in the midwest we were 2000 miles away from everyone and and so you know that all they could do is you know maybe call in and check in on us um or you know or maybe video chat or something but uh you know they they weren't there to give us hugs or comfort us in that way because they were so far away. So that, that also made it tough. But, but like I said, I was really thankful to have my associate pastor there to comfort us and counsel us and, and get us through that, that tough time. And, and of course, you know, he being a, a wonderful man of God uh, pointed to, to so many wonderful passages in scripture uh, that certainly gave us comfort. And, and so our faith did play a huge role in that. Um, so then, after that we um uh, you know my wife did give birth to our our second living child um his birthday's tomorrow he'll 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 turn four and uh, not long after yeah yeah <laughs> he um he's quite a rambunctious uh very talkative little boy he's super cute but anyway um in the spring of uh well actually it was it was the summer of twenty nineteen I actually took a call to a different congregation, the one that I'm at right now in a little town in Wisconsin. Um and so yeah, we've been here now for let's see, over three and a half years. Um and nothing happened. I mean, we were uh we had actually decided during the COVID shutdown, you know, uh during the spring of twenty twenty, uh, that we had wanted we wanted another kid. Um, I don't know if that was something that was just brought about that, something that we had wanted for a long time, or if this was just brought about like, Oh, you know, we're going stir crazy stuck inside. You know, we need something to spice up our lives. Let's have another kid. I don't know. Um, but up to that point, we had never had trouble conceiving. Um, but we tried for two and a half years uh, and, and nothing. And, and this was baffling to us and we didn't know what was going on. We'd never had trouble with conceiving when we were actually trying. So like, what is going on here for two and a half years? Nothing. But then um, the this last spring, I would say April, uh, my wife got a positive pregnancy test. And so we were pretty ecstatic about that. Um, but literally a week after that, um, she had been going in for labs. Uh, they were checking her h c HC, HCG levels, um, and they were not where they were supposed to be, and that was a huge cause for concern. And so, you know, we were talking to the doctor and just figuring out what's going on. And then all of a sudden, we we realized that well, about a few weeks earlier. My wife and I, we were going to a a retreat for pastors and their wives down in San Antonio. And the day that we left, my wife had just awful, awful cramping to the point where she was struggling to walk. You know, and we had not only did we have to walk through the entire Milwaukee airport, which, you know, it's Big, but not like super big, but we had to walk through O'Hare and that we, we literally were going from the farthest point in O'Hare to the other farthest point. I mean, like we probably walked like a mile and a half in the O'Hare airport and she was struggling and just hurting awful, 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 awful. Um. And based on that and then some other tests that they ran, I don't remember what exactly they checked for, but um, the doctor had determined that this was most likely um, an ectopic pregnancy and that the pain that she was experiencing that day was the fertilized egg. Um, I don't know if I'm saying this quite right, but uh, it was the fertilized egg implanting itself inside the fallopian tube, I think. Um, And if we would if we, if we did nothing, um, you know, then, well, I mean, we know that the baby that was there, uh, no matter what, because it was already in the spot that it was, that baby's not going to make it no matter what. But if we did nothing, then my wife's life also was in danger. So um, I remember the day that we had to go in and she had received, um, I don't remember what kind of Shot it was, but uh, basically, you know, that, but it terminated the pregnancy because, I mean, the baby wasn't going to make it no matter what. And this was to preserve, um, my, my wife to keep her safe. Um, and so, you know, we sat in that doctor's office for a couple hours and, you know, it, that, that was tough. And at least, at least with that one, you know, we went through that together and, and we grieved that one together. But what made that day especially difficult uh, was, yes, I mean, the, the event in and of itself, having to, to terminate that ectopic pregnancy, I mean, that that's devastating enough. But I kid you not, we left the doctor's office, we pulled into our driveway, and I had to leave my wife right away. Why? Because I had a funeral scheduled that same day. So, you know, I have to, you know put aside my feelings and my emotional needs to comfort this family that, you know, had already scheduled this funeral, you know, like two weeks before or whatever. Um, and and I have to do my job. I have to put on my pastor's hat um, and, and comfort a family that is mourning the loss of a loved one. Um, and that was really, really tough because I'm like, well, I don't want to do this. I'm the one who experienced the loss. Now I need to be comforted but I, there's nothing I can do. I, I have to, I have to do my job and I have to comfort this family as they mourn a loss. And I was, as I was preaching that, that funeral sermon, I, I was really preaching it not only to that audience, but I was also preaching it to myself. Um, and, and really comforting myself just with the, 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 the promises that, that God tells us in his word, um, that, that he loves his children, um, that he does not forsake his children. And that through faith in Christ, uh, those who die in Christ will live again forever in heaven. Um, so I was really <laughs> preaching that sermon to myself, and, and it, it meant so much more to me. But then after that, um, I started to become very angry, um, angry at God and just asking him, why would he do this? You know, we've been trying for two and a half years, and he gives us a glimmer of hope, only for literally a week later to snatch it away. Why would he do such a thing? And I felt like such a hypocrite for the next month or so. Pre, you know, standing in front of my church, pre, you know, standing in that pulpit and preaching about a God who who loves us and cares for us, and I just felt like I was being a total hypocrite because I didn't feel that God loved us. I didn't feel that, um, you know, I, I thought that he was mean and vindictive and why would he do this to us? You know, just, just cruel and mean. Um, I, I, like I said, I felt like a total hypocrite um, standing in that pulpit and preaching, but um, what, what really helped during that time was just having a group of people come and comfort us um, in, in this, congregation that I serve now, um, because we were not going to keep this news secret. You know, we wanted people to know, you know, we're going through a tough time right now and we need your prayers. And then just out of the woodwork, I mean, you know, just probably a quarter of my congregation came up and said, Pastor, I am so sorry. I know what you've been through because we've been there too. And it's just like, holy cow, this, you know, miscarriages are, are more of a thing than we realize and, and maybe that's because people don't want to talk about it as much. I I don't know. But, but like I said, just like probably a quarter of, of the people that I see on a regular basis said, yeah, we've been there too. We know what that feels like. It's just like, wow, this, you know, I think we need to be more open about this. This is a real thing. And this is a real loss that people go through. And yeah, sure. We don't, have you know funerals for for babies that die in the womb. You know, we don't do things like that typically, but it's still a loss and it's a real loss. And and the the pain and the the hurt uh is very real. And so I think we do need to talk about it more than than we do. Um, But I would I would say that one there was one pastor in particular who reached out to me and I'm going to try to find this message real quick. Um, well, I'll, I'll summarize it, I guess. Um, there was a pastor that I knew out in Washington, not, not the associate pastor that I worked with, but, um, but a different one that I had known for my time out there. And he had shared with me a, a letter that he wrote um, because he also had gone through a miscarriage and I guess they were a little farther along in that pregnancy but he just wrote he just wrote an amazing comforting letter just reassuring us that you know even though you know you never met your baby um, you know here's some wonderful things in God's word to comfort you and and to summarize he basically told me things along this line you know that, you know you guys are, are believers uh, we know that babies, can, can hear inside the womb. That's scientifically proven. Um, You look in the Bible, there's a baby named John. He went on to be known as John the Baptist. He leapt inside his mother's womb when he heard about the news of Jesus. So, um, you know, babies, they can hear, and it's very possible that babies have faith. Jesus himself loves little children. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Um, Jesus loves little children. He wants little children in heaven. Uh, the promises that, that God attaches in baptism are applied to little children as well. Um, and so he said, there, there's no doubt in my mind that, that your little one is in heaven. And, and so that, that kind of changed things for me from being, you know, angry at God for taking away this little one that we've been trying two and a half, two and a half years to get to realizing, you know what? God had something better planned. Um, I don't know, maybe there was going to be something horrific that, you know, this baby was going to experience, or maybe, you know, the, the baby was gonna, I mean, who knows? I, I don't know. Um, perhaps God was sparing this child from something catastrophic in its life. And so instead of letting this child go through that, maybe he he took this child to himself. And now this, this child along with our first one that we lost, they are enjoying perfect paradise with Jesus now. And and so that brought a lot of comfort. Yes, there was absolutely anger at first. I was angry at God and, and I felt like I didn't want to do my job anymore. I felt like I wanted to walk away, but then, um, God does an absolutely incredible things and and he said you know through his word and and through uh fellow Christians he said no everything's okay um you know I, I I do this for a good reason um you know one of my favorite Bible passages is Romans 828 which says and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and I, and I find a lot of comfort in that passage because I, I know I love God. I mean, I'm a pastor for crying out loud. I love God and, and, and I know that, that Jesus is my savior and for somehow, some way, um, this, this, this is, be- this is a better plan. I, I don't know how I, I'll, I may never understand why on this side of heaven, but just because I don't understand something, that doesn't mean that it's not true. You know, kind of like I, I explained to my younger child, you know, you have to hold my hand when we cross this busy street. And he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do that, and he doesn't understand why he needs to do that. Well, I mean, of course, it's obvious to us, but it's not obvious to him. But just because he doesn't get it doesn't mean that the fact is, uh, isn't is true. Holding my hand across the street is a good thing for him. Well, God had a plan a different plan for the two children that we lost. I may not understand it. And, you know, sometimes I don't want to understand it. Sometimes I'm still very selfish. I'm like, man, you know what? Uh, we, we could have, you know, instead of two you know, living children and then one on the way, we could have four with five with the fifth one on the way. But, but, you know, God must've had a, a better plan. And, uh, I may not understand it. I may never understand it, but just because I don't get it doesn't mean that it's not better. So, um, All of those things combined, um, were a great help for us. And so, yes, our faith in God and knowing what God's word says did get us through those tough times. Doesn't mean that we don't grieve anymore. It doesn't mean that we're, we're not sad anymore. Of course, there are still times when we grieve, you know, those dates where, you know, we find out that, you know, we lost babies, you know, we we know those dates. Um, is October, fir- October 3rd for the first one and then, uh, um, um, May 17th for the second one. You know, and we have those dates, um, hanging up on. on- on the wall in our house because we want to remember these children that we lost. They're still part of our family and we're very open with our boys. We talk about them all the time. Um, and they, they pray for, for their, their siblings, uh, the siblings that they never met. And it's, that's really cute. Um, and yeah, we're, we're still sad and, and we still, you know, may wish that maybe things were a little different, but, um, in the end, our faith did get us through that, and I, I would say without our faith, I'm I'm not sure how I personally would have handled it. Probably a lot worse than than I did.
1: Wow, that's quite quite the story, and it's definitely interesting to say like how much faith really did play a role in your role, especially as a pastor. I mean, I can't imagine officiating a a, a funeral. For someone else when I just lost a child. I mean, that must have been really, really tough, but it's really incredible how it gave you that notion for yourself. You know, that's that spiritual journey. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, we can dive a little bit into how you dealt with it when you were in the room, when you found out about the topic of pregnancy and how it wasn't viable, but I want to take a step back for a second. Being a pastor, what type of training? What's the conversation? I know you, you mentioned that you had probably about a quarter of your to come to you and say, I also experienced this, you know, I know what you're going through. So what's the conversation going on in the pastor world about dealing with, with miscarriage, with loss around the country What's, what's the conversation? Like what's, what's the training that you guys receive when dealing with this issue?
0: That's a really good question. Um, you know, right now, uh, I'm going through a, a Bible study with with my church uh, on the book of Job, and Job was a guy who had experienced tremendous loss. Um, you know, he he lost. He was a an incredibly wealthy man, um, had it all. The Bible says he was the greatest man in the east. You know, like that's that's quite a big title. Um, had a, had a big, wonderful family. They all loved each other, and and then he lost it all, lost everything. And God eventually, you know, uh, gave him back all of those things that he lost and, and he learned a, 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 you know, he learned something very important about who God is and what he does. But, um, you know, in, in our discussion on the book of Job and, you know, as I also think back to things that were told to me, um, during my seminary training, um, it, it's really going to be different. Uh, you know, depends on, on, on the family dynamic. Um, but of course though there are still some, Basic truths that, that I, that I tell our members, especially, um, if they have gone through something like that. Um, one of our good friends who's a member of my church, um, they went through a miscarriage about, about, about a, a little over a year ago. Uh, and God did bless them with another child afterwards. So that was wonderful. But, um, a lot of the things that I, that, that one pastor told me are things that I pass along as well. And sometimes, When you are, when you're dealing with a family who has experienced loss, um, you know, you, you worry so much about, you know, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Things like that. Um, but, you know, sometimes the best thing that you could do isn't something that you say, but rather the best thing that you could do is to simply mourn with them and, and, and hug them. Um, if, You know, if you you know, if if you if you're about to cry, cry with them. Uh that goes a long way. Um, you know, people they mean well when they say things like, you know, we're thinking about you. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Um, but after a while you hear those things so often again and again and again. Um it, it, it 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 almost feels kind of empty. And you know, when you tell people who are grieving, you know, hey, let me know if I can do anything for you. Well, as well intentioned as that is, um, it, it really isn't all that helpful sometimes because what you're doing, you're saying, All right, I want you to think of some some way that I can help you. You're putting the pressure on someone who is grieving. Um that that's not going to work out too well and nor is it taken very kindly a lot of the times. So um, one thing that, like I said, a pastor told me is sometimes the best thing that you could do is just grieve with them, hug them, cry with them. Um, And then of course you, you know, we're, we're trained to, to know God's word. And so, you know, there are many different bible passages that we go to. I quoted one earlier romans eight twenty eight we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him um you know jesus when he he says in um in uh John chapter twelve or fourteen I don't remember, but I think it's John fourteen, yeah John fourteen where Jesus says, "I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die um so those are words of of resurrection, comfort, that where we are reminded that for those who have faith in Christ, death is not the end, but rather it's a beautiful new beginning because that person is now experiencing uh perfect paradise. Um, and there will come a day when the body will rise and and will will fully enjoy the the eternal glory that Jesus has prepared for them. So um those are just some of the things that I, that we've been told and some of the things that, that we do as pastors. And again, it really depends on, you know, who, the family that's grieving, what you think they need to hear. Um, and each pastor is going to do their own thing. Um, but it does ultimately come back to, okay, what does God's word say that, that comforts hearts? And, and there, there are so many wonderful ways in which God comforts us in his word. And so then we, go and we share that same comfort that we have received to other people. So it really comes back to
1: that open communication and knowing what to say, when to say how to how to console someone through it. Mm-hmm. It's not like you could just say, hey, I'm sorry for your loss. Because oftentimes what happens is not necessarily in the in the pastor world or or any religion for that matter, people don't know what to say and how to react. Like yeah. I, I can remember at times like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, but you know, you're strong, move on. People just don't know yeah. what, to,
0: what to say. Right. And, 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 perhaps you, you probably have heard this. Maybe people have, have told you or, or other guests have told you that, that one of, one of the, as well intentioned as it is, it's, it's very hurtful. Uh, when people say, I'm so sorry, uh, but you know, uh, at, at least, at least, you know, uh, you're still young and you can try again. Like, that's the worst. Well, well, You don't know that (laughs) you really don't again, you know, and, and again, it's well-intentioned, but people kind of freak out about, you know, how, what do I say to someone who is grieving? And I I know of a a member of our church, um, our, our oldest member, she's a hundred years old. Wow! um, and, and something that, yeah, she's a hundred years old and rides a bike. I mean, she is one kick butt lady, let me tell you. But anyway, she, she came to me and, and she told me about, um, situation where someone in her family i think may it may have been um a uh you know maybe her, her granddaughter-in-law something like that um had lost her mother and and she didn't know what to say and so she just didn't say anything for two years and then you know now she feels the need she's like I feel awful about this. This is something i've been holding on to uh for two years, and I've been so worried and now now it's gotten to the point where, like I said, it's two years and you know i, I don't know if there's anything I can say at this point um and i I, I assured her you can you can and and one of the best things that you can do is, is to pray with that individual um there's absolutely nothing better than you that you can do than to, to to put someone who is hurting into the hands of God Almighty, who can do all things. Um, you know, some people may see it as a cop out, but it's not um, because there's only so much that we as humans can do, but there is no limit to what God can do. And so, like I said, one of the best things you can do is pray for that individual. And not only say that you're going to pray for them, but then actually do it. Because sometimes, I and I, I've been guilty of this too from time to time, where I say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then I don't follow up with that. Um, and so I kind of have, I've kind of shifted my um, repertoire, if you will, instead of saying, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you and then hope I'll do it later. I said, let's just do it right now. You know, let, let's pray right now and and let's go to God and ask for his comfort and peace and pray that God gives it to you. And it does make a big difference what would be a couple minutes left before this expires?
1: um, uh, Two, two questions here. One, what would be your message to all the guys struggling with this? Like your your take home message of prayer, like what would that, your blessing be to all those listen? That's number one. Number two is what can we do to change this conversation to teach people, you know, what to say, what not to say. And how, how would you change that education about that. So people do know what to say and how to respond. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That two really good questions. So look, the first one, what, what would I say as a pastor to, to, guys who are hurting? Um, you know, my heart goes out to, to all everybody who has gone through this, you know, having gone through it twice. It's devastating. It's heartbreaking. Um, and it's not something that, it was that ever meant to be? Unfortunately, we, we live in an evil world and, and and so we deal with the consequences of living in an evil world. Um, you know, God does not enjoy or take pleasure in the death of anybody. Um his will is that everyone would would turn to him and and live. Um and so I, I don't want anyone ever thinking that, you know. That, that, if you go through this, all you know, this is God punishing me for something that I've done. Um, you know, he, he's being mean to me. He's being a vindictive, cruel God. That's not the case. God never intended anyone to die, whether they be a hundred years old or a week old in utero. God has never, when he created this world, he never intended that anyone would die. But when sin and evil entered this world, that brought in the whole bunch of other consequences. So God is not, you know, when, when people die for whatever reason, it's not God being vicious, vindictive or anything like that. Um, when we, when we hurt, God hurts alongside with us. Um, and he wants us to, to go to him for, for peace and comfort. Um, you know, Jesus Himself said, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid." Um, we can try to can, we can try to find peace and comfort in, in people and in things, and that, and and there's a lot of good resources out there, but only Jesus can bring us a peace. Um, that lasts and, and a piece that goes beyond our understanding. So, uh, my encouragement is, is to look to God. Um, if you know a pastor, um, you know, go to them, whether it be in your own town or reach out to me, uh, reach out to me, St. Paul's East Troy. I'm the pastor. You can come to me. Let's talk. Um, the other thing, um, yes, I absolutely 100% agree. We need to. Get more information out about this, and this podcast is a wonderful way. Uh, we do need to change the conversation about how we deal with miscarriages. We need to be more open about them. We need to be allow people to be more public in their grieving about this. Um, and Jen, just just being willing to listen to the pain that people are going through, and once you listen to that pain and what they're going through, then you'll have a better idea of of, of what to say to them and help them through their grieving. Yeah, those are those
1: are right on. Those are the powerful messages that, um, that need
0: to be heard. So yeah, I, I think we do need to be more willing to, we have to be more willing to have these conversations and, um, being more willing to, to hear people, uh, share their stories. Um, you know, I know grief is uncomfortable and it's tough to, to see someone who is grieving, but just letting them have their conversation letting them speak their peace, um and letting letting them have this opportunity to open up and vent and let them let other people know how they feel will go such a long way um one thing i would love to see and i was reading an article in, in this christian magazine called uh forward in christ um it's a magazine that our church body puts out um but one article that was shared with me was about how there was a hospital that, um, that the hospital chaplain would do these funeral services for families who had lost a baby through miscarriage. And, you know, anyone would, would be able to come there. I guess there was a, a coffin and, and people would be able to put in something that, um, you know, maybe a, a little onesie or something that, you know, they would, that they have a connection with or something that would represent their lost baby and they would be able to put it in. Um, and, and so that kind of gave families some closure. Um, something that I think is really unfortunate is the fact that, um, we treat miscarriage deaths so differently um as opposed to someone who you know had the chance to see the light of day um and and then they died we we treat these deaths so differently with miscarriages they they happen and then we just move on no funeral no nothing it, it just happens and then you move on with life um it, 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 honestly having gone through it twice i mean if someone had wanted to do that and, you know, have like a, a, a little service and, and hear gospel comfort and give them closure, um, in, in a public forum instead of just, you know, one on one conversation. Okay. We had the conversation. Now we're done. No, like if someone really wanted to do that, I'd be open to that. And maybe other pastors, um, you know, other uh, faith leaders, maybe that's something that they might want to consider to help families have that closure. Um, you know, and yeah, it's, it'll, it's going to take a huge, uh, you know, leap of confidence because this isn't really something that's typically done, but, um, it would first off bring, it would bring more awareness to the situation, but then it's also going to help families have closure. I think that's really important because
1: a lot of times, like you said, miscarriage is treated differently than death in any other respects. A lot of people don't, bury their the the miscarriage the fetus a lot of people don't even remember about it or, or do memorial services i think to help men grieve and families grieve i think that is definitely something important especially a lot of times at the hospitals right that they'll they'll bury it or i don't know what they do and you don't even know where that where that loved one is you have no idea right. what cemetery they're they're at or where they're at right or even yep. what caused it. I mean, there definitely has to be some type of open transparency, I think, with the hospitals and the funeral directors and, and the pastors and any really, any chaplain. So this way this doesn't happen. People need this if they, that's what yeah. they so desire because it's not something that, that should go over one's head. And, and people need the time to grieve. I think even there needs to be legislation that's passed to say, Hey, Wait a second. You had a miscarriage. You're entitled to just as much paid family leave for a miscarriage that you are for when you have a child. I mean, there's got to be some. The conversation has to happen. And even even the, cl- the clinician's point point of view. If you go to if you go for an ultrasound and you all of a sudden find out that there's no ultrasound, there has to be something, some type of training that 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 the clinicians have to know what to say and how to respond. No one ever asks. The guy, how do you feel about that? How are you doing? The focus is always on women. I think this conversation needs to to shift more towards the family and the unit. And even if you have kids, like the conversation with the kids in openness, like we're going through this. Like as a family, we're we're gonna we're gonna grieve. We're gonna get through there. Like it's very tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I really appreciate what you said about um having that bereavement leave. Um because I mean it's a little different for me. Um, I guess I, I don't really have what you would say a normal job. Um I, I'm blessed in that um, being where I'm at, I can kind of dictate my own schedule. Not everyone has that that uh benefits. Um and so, you know, I, I I have an opportunity where if God forbid we were to go through this again. Um, I can take time off and, and I have wonderful leadership that supports me in doing that. But, you know, I, and I do kind of have to wonder, you know, what do other companies have to offer or, or is this something that, okay, I'm sorry it happened. You know, not, but life goes on, you know, it's like, no, it doesn't. It, you know, your, your, your entire world has been turned upside down. We have to start treating these losses like we do, like, like we would if we lost uh, a, a child who's seen the light of day. Um, or, you know, it, cause that, that's your child, you know, uh, even if you've never seen them, even if you've never talked to them, it, it's still your child. Um, you have a right to grieve as if, you know, like I said, you had a child that saw the light of day, and you lost them. Um, you absolutely you know, I know do. it. It, it, lo- it looks it looks different, sure, but and it may not feel real to other people, but just because it doesn't feel real to them, doesn't mean it doesn't feel real to the family.
1: You're absolutely one hundred percent right, and the statistics speak for themselves. I mean, one in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage. That's a lot of people. It means it's your neighbor to your left, it's your neighbor to the right. Right, one in one in four, it's twenty five percent of pregnancies end in a miscarriage. So because it's so high, there's got to be something. It's got to be treated that way. I mean, I even had I had a horrible experience at the time when I was when I was working in in high tech doing sales. I had a boss who was female. She she completely got oh yeah, miscarriage just happens probably the day you have a job to do, you gotta you gotta hit your quota. You gotta come to work, you know, with your head high on your shoulders. And there was no opportunity to to grieve. It was horrible, and I think really the workforce needs to understand what does it mean when you go through a miscarriage. What does it mean when you're going through an IVF cycle? When you're struggling with secondary infertility? When you have a stillborn? The society needs to adapt to those things and really understand it, because if they don't understand it and someone is really grieving and someone is really struggling with those issues, they're not going to perform in their job as well as they would any other day. So if the workforce doesn't get them, we have a serious problem on our hands.
0: Yep, I agree 100 percent.
1: And I'm glad that you're able to have open conversations with with, with your congregants because it is so common and it's so really real and it's so important. It's not something that that can be taken for granted. You know, I think one day, hey, wait a second, I'm pregnant now and the next day I'm not. This is every day, every waking day is a miracle. No matter, you wake up the next it, it, it it's literally a miracle. You never know what can happen in an instant. So I think... Right. Even we need to look at the world. We need to look at it with, with perspective and say, let's live in the day. Take this pregnancy one step at a time. Hope that it's going to be a good day. Cherish that moment. Okay. There's a heartbeat. Cherish it as much as possible. Cherish mm-hmm. those moments because it could be gone. That's why we say pregnancy is so hard. But at the same time, it's phenomenal at the end, at, at the end of the day. I mean, I really think. Guys should not lose hope if you do have a miscarriage. You're normal. It's normal. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to, to look at your religion. It's okay. Just talk about it. Because if you don't talk about it, you will break down. I've heard too many stories of men turning to drugs, turning to alcohol, getting divorced, turning to porn, getting all these crazy addictions because of a miscarriage because they didn't have the resources at hand they let it boil up in their head so guys please 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 if you are going through this talk to someone talk to a friend go on a hike if you're interested in walking or playing sports or basketball whatever whatever your interest is find someone that you can talk to who can help you get through it and it doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist it can be you know your best friend it could be your neighbor it could be your pastor. It could be a rabbi. It doesn't matter who it is. Be open about it. Talk to your spouse. You will get through it. You will be strong. You are not alone.
0: Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I don't have anything to add there.
1: So, Thank you so much uh, for, for joining this podcast. And um, please... Feel free to reach out, reach out to, to Jeff and reach out to myself. There are resources there for you. You're not alone. And uh, remember, you're not alone. It, it sucks when it happens. It's a club you never think you want to be a part of. But when you are, you're part of this elite club for whatever reason it is. And we are
0: all here to help you. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, just to kind of add to that, and, um, you had said, uh, you know, uh, you know, that they can, that anybody can come talk to me. And I absolutely, 100%. Um, you know, being a pastor and having been there, done that, um, my door is always open if you're in the area. If you're not, um, you can certainly reach out to me, uh, at pastoru at net. Um, I'd be more than happy to, to, to talk to you, whether it be through email or phone call or whatever, Zoom. Um, I'd be more than happy to, to, to be a help and a support for for all you guys out there um, who have gone through this, just like Dan and I have. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it you've just listened to another great episode of men talk with daniel landau if you've suffered from miscarriage infertility stillbirth or infant loss and want to open up about it reach out we'd love to have you on the show you can also join our facebook group or if you'd like to get involved and start a chapter in your neighborhood visit our website www.menshelpline.org today until next week stay strong and remember you're not alone